Uh, let me ask you this. And this is oh, Paquin's tooth <laughs> I think that's the equivalent of that's your equivalent of one of the things is let me ask you this. Okay, that's fine. That will be my that will be my my fifth dimension. Because does everybody? Would you like I mean, does that work? <laughs> it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Is that also fifth dimension? Yep. All right, there you go. Um, Rock. So let me ask you this then, Matthew. If uh, uh-huh. let me ask you this is going to be my uh, Stephen Spitalik uh, power. <laughs> Stephen Spitalik just sounds like a. a- <laughs> A, full, a fuller brush salesman from from Ohio. Uh, excuse Steven me, ma'am. Spindlick. Would you like to try our new Steven Spindlick? It'll clean your carpet in one, two, three shakes. We've got this new Schleicher shampoo that'll take the dirt out of anything. Remember, I like it. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Matthew. In uh, the Mr. Mixiel Spitalik universe, uh, in order uh, to send Mixiel Spitalik back to uh, the fifth dimension, you have to get him to say his name backwards. Correct. Is that the way it is for all the imps from that dimension? Um. So, like, Mixiel Spitalik wife, whatever she is, Mrs. Mixiel Spitalik, do you have to get her to... I mean, she's never come to uh, the, it, our dimension. It worked for Quisp when uh, when Grant Morrison was writing JLA. Right. When they revamped it with the Big Seven, there was a moment where Quisp, who used to be um, Aquaman's sidekick, came back, and it was revealed that he was from the fifth dimension, and also that Johnny Thunder's Thunderbolt from the fifth dimension. Now, see, that doesn't make sense, because how can Thunderbolt be from the same dimension as Mixiel Spitalik? And yet they had that whole thing in, I don't know if it was JLA or JSA or whatever, where they all went to the fifth dimension and it was all the imps battling each other. How come Mixiel Spitalik wasn't there? What's the deal with that? Or how come Thunderbolt wasn't there? Well, no, Thunderbolt was there battling, you know, he was trying to save all the other imps, his wife or something, hmm. his kids, and no Mixiel Spitalik. Well, Let me was, ask you a question. He was probably off somewhere vexing Superman. Well, that could be true, too. You and I come from the same sort of area. How come we're never seen in the same room together? Hmm, that's a very good question, Matthew. Do you not, do you not expect like the Thunderbolt? Ah! <laughs> no, but I mean... Would you, would you, you not expect s- the fifth dimension to be bigger than the state of Kansas? <laughs> no, I don't know. It is the fifth dimension. It could be, you know, the size of my bedroom and still Aquarium! be very big. Incidentally... The fifth dimension do, do, is do, do, what do, people do, tend do. to re- tend to call Stevens' bathroom. So, do you think that's it? That there's just these different races all living in the fifth dimension, and they don't necessarily have to interact. Wow. Okay. It, all right. It depends. I was on just who's, curious. Uh, uh, so I, that's that's a problem with a lot of, uh, especially with when they start developing side characters, right? You know, somebody's like, I got a great idea. How about uh, Mr. Mixes Pitalik, the Thunderbolt, Howard the Duck, and Impossible Man all come from the same dimension, huh? Huh? Yeah. That and just might work. And it's a great idea, except there's another guy down the line who didn't read that because right. it was on some off issue somewhere. Right. And he doesn't know that. So you're so probably like, one of them Grant Morrison issues. I got a great idea. How about Mixes Pitalik is actually a ghost, and ghosts that get sent. That like lose their way, end up in the fifth dimension, get superpowers, and they come back. Mixer Mixes Spitalik is actually one of those cowboy Kents. He got shot by Jonah oh, Hex. There you go. There you go. I like that. Were, were the Kents shot by Jonah Hex in Probably that series? Not. I don't think so. No. Okay. <laughs> they were. Do you they remember that series? Yeah. You remember the Kents? It? Yeah. Uh, it was okay. I, I, I didn't think I it. have. I think I have a half dozen of the dozen issues or so that came out. See, I think I, I lost did... interest. 
I didn't love it as much as Marvel's nihilistic uh, Apache Skies Last Days of the Western Heroes, though. It was where they kill they kill Kid Colt and they kill uh, the Two Gun Kid and they all die horribly because it's a realistic western and it's more realistic to have them all die on panel than it was to have. No, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> they they didn't die for thirty five years, but now they did. I see. What were you gonna say? Um. Oh, I saw the. I remember seeing the like the promotional art for the Kents, and I was yeah. like, "Hey, not interested." Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, because I remember it's like they had like the Superman symbol and right. like two guns crossed over right, or something right. like that. It's like here's this Superman title that does not feature Superman. This right. is going to be about cowboys. I'm not interested. Yeah. You know, I used to not be into westerns. I used to hate westerns, despise them with a mm-hmm. passion. And then I was like, okay, well, John Wayne's The Cowboys is an okay, it's not really a Western, more of a coming-of-age film set mm-hmm. in the West. And then I started watching the, you know, the Man With No Name series, and I was like, you know what, that's not too bad of a Western. Oh, yeah. And then I started watching Magnificent Seven, and suddenly I kind of dig the the spaghetti Western-type yeah. genre, to me, is really kind of cool. Oh, yeah. So, here's a question for you. Okay. The Man With No Name. He has no name. In Spanish, would he not be El Hombre Sin Nombre? Uh, I think they refer to him as the Hombre a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love that. Especially in, what is it, what's the one where he's, it's essentially, um, ah, crap, what was the uh, Bruce Willis movie set in the oil well? Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, is that the one where he's battling back and forth between the two factions in the town? Yeah, yeah. I think they call him the Hombre a lot in, in that movie, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've seen that one, but, uh Yeah. What, have well, you guys read that uh, Man With No Name series from Dynamite Entertainment? No. I read it the suffers. first two issues, and it's and it's okay. It's not great. It suffers from the same problem that all the Dynamite books do right now. Which is? Beautiful covers, bloopy interiors. Yeah, I would agree. Everything, everything is that over-rendered. So you have some guy who draws this vaguely cartoony thing, and then some schmendrick comes in. And covers it with all this greasy coloring and three-dimensional bullshit and puts in all sorts of little digital effects to try and make it look better. I'm like, why not treat that art the way that art needs to be treated? Mm -hmm. Give it a strong inker, a regular color palette, and be done with it. So you're not a big fan of what they're doing with Zorro? I love Zorro, but I have to sit there and get past the art every issue. Oh, yeah. Because mm. Matt Wagner is writing a brilliant Zorro story, tying together all these various and sundry what, 105 years worth of various pieces of unresolvable stuff. And he's tying it all together and making it all make sense. And the fact that it's drawn by some goon where everybody looks like they're made out of hamburger and, you Is know, that the same way with the Lone Ranger, too? Uh, the Lone Ranger, I, I bought the first issue because it had that John Cassidy cover. Right. And the interiors were so god-awful that I dropped it right there. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of art, this is the question that I did want to ask earlier. We didn't ask it in the show. Is it uh, funny, ha-ha, funny, curious, or just more product placement that Invincible's costume looks like the Image logo? <laughs> well, I couldn't, I couldn't get it to work, but for the, um, for the little uh, doodles that I've been doing, I was going to have Invincible and then, like, Invisible Kid, like, walk up behind me and be like, hey, dude, what's up? <laughs> What are you stealing my costume for? Is that what it's a ripoff of, Matthew? I don't think so. Um, I think a lot of the characters that we love in Invincible are Robert Kirkman's homebrewed guys. Right. Mm-hmm. All of us have them. 
we all have our own little universes, and I think Kirkman managed to take his his full, you know, full scale. The Invincible costume, if I'm not mistaken, was designed. I can't remember. I think they said it was designed intentionally as an in joke to mimic the image logo. Okay, mm. all right. I was just curious because it's interesting that Invincible, uh, the first couple of issues, I don't think sold very well until Wizard and some other websites started to really hype it a lot, mm-hmm. and suddenly it became Image's number one title. Yeah. And I think it has been Image's number one title, with maybe the exception of Walking Dead, mm-hmm. uh, also by Robert Kirkman. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I just find that kind of interesting. Just, you know, comment. Well, I didn't know if you guys thought it was supposed to be a direct, um, you know, an homage or a ripoff or just, no, aha, homage, look what we're doing. Homage was sold to DC, as you recall. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're no longer part of the Image Universe. That's the problem that I have with Image Universe crossovers, by the way. The first Image Universe crossovers involved The Darkness Young and Witchblade. Oh. No, Youngblood and the Savage Drag Queen and, and all these guys. The and then case. all of a sudden... Oh, wait, yeah. uh, Rob Liefeld is quitting and his characters suck. So we have to revamp the universe to where the Youngblood characters never existed. That's fine. Turns out Spawn was there and the Savage Drag Queen was there and all this other stuff was... Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Jim Lee left, so Wildcats is actually not part of our universe. So our chief weapons are fear, surprise, ruthless efficiency. The Image Universe crossovers irritate me because every couple of years... They have to revamp who does and doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Because Shadowhawk, it, is he still in the image? Are they still making... Shadowhawk is in because uh, Valentino is still there. Okay. But Wildcats and Gen then 13 are gone. Well, yeah, because they were sold to, to DC. Right. But if you look at the Wildstorm universe, they just revamped their universe again. In 15 yeah. years, Wildstorm has had probably 10 major universal revamps to try and relaunch this same old crap. I think Wildstorm is going away. Is that is well, that true? Wildstorm is actually becoming Earth 50, I think. Something like that, but I think aren't aren't the Gen 13 isn't that ending? Aren't they ending that series or not? I don't know. They well they ended them all and then they're relaunching them in this new oh, in uh, this new reboot. Armageddon reboot. But I think DC right now. DC right now is taking on the Mel Brooks and Gulf and Devour theory in that um, the Milestone heroes are coming back right. under the DC banner, and the Archie heroes are coming back under the DC banner, and the Wildstorm heroes are being relaunched under the DC banner, and everything's going to exist together in the same multiverse. And of course, we've still got the old quality heroes on Earth, you know, four. And we've got the old Earth X heroes from the other company, and we've got the Charlton heroes over here, and we've got all of them. You gotta, yada, yada, yada. Eventually, every superhero ever will belong to DC. Is that a big deal or not? Eh, the first couple of times it happened, I was thrilled. Well, I gotta admit, I have a copy of Superman 173. It came out when I was like four, where they did Captain Thunder, who was a Captain Marvel analog. Yeah. And it was obviously Captain Marvel only not because, well, you know, we we can't get sued. But technically, I think they owned him at that point or were about to own mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And it's a great story and I love it. And it's got these little moments where it's like we're not quite Billy Batson, but we are Billy Batson. Kind yeah. of like the moments in Invincible where you recognize, hey, this character looks familiar and it, it, it's kind of comforting in a way. But Is it okay – well, you were going to say something, Rodrigo. Go ahead and say what you were going to say well, a minute I, ago. I was going to say it's. 
I guess you never know when a character is going to take off, but, um, you know, DC acquiring Captain Marvel back in the day, that was that was a shrewd move. Cause they're, cause, yeah, because they wanted cause Cap- to make Superman. Because yeah, they wanted, A, to have the monopoly on Superman. Right. And because it was doing better than Superman, even right. though the company was going under, I think, right. even at that time. Um, so that made sense. But, I mean, Wildstorm has been unsellable, like, the titles for a long time. I mean, you have the core audience of Gen 13, yep. um, you know, sweaty teenage boys. Right. And that's about it, you know, and there's the guys who like, um, oh, what is it? Is it Wetworks? Yeah. Wildstorm? Wetworks, The yeah. Authority. And The Authority, yeah. And, but The Authority... Is the authority even in the Wildstorm universe? Yep. Yep. Uh, well, you know, they're floating in the bleed, so they're in all universes. Mm. In fact, the uh, authority the recent, was the in point. fact, in, in, in uh, frickin' uh, Trinity, recent issues of Twi- Trinity, when they go to um, uh, the crime syndicate planet, whatever world that is, the crime syndicate's been stealing all of these people from all these multiple ver- universes mm. to come and rebuild their planet. And uh, when... The Justice League arrived to save the day. You hear people going, is that authority? Oh, no, where's so-and-so? Where's this? And And it's kind of funny because they're making those references to all these uh, similar characters in the other universe. Okay, so here's another question then. Uh, Is it okay that these hints and these uh, in-jokes are dropped into a series? You said Grayson, and until you said it, I was just like, oh, okay. I mean... The same thing happened with Wanted, where it was like halfway through the trade before I was realizing, going, oh, that's Catwoman, that's Captain Cold, that's so-and-so, that's mm-hmm. Amanda Waller, and da-da. oh, now suddenly I get it. Yeah. But before, I was enjoying it all the way up to that point until I said, hey, those are Spider-Man's boots. And then all of a sudden, you're like, aha, mm-hmm. is, is it a big deal? I mean, <laughs> if no one's ever read uh, comic books before and you gave them Invincible, is it okay that they don't get all these in-jokes? Oh, I think it's absolutely okay. I think they are, in fact... They tend to be throwaway stuff. Nobody's. You're not gonna lose, um, you know, the point of wanted if you never realize that you know the fox is supposed to be Catwoman. Right. Um, Wait, the fox is Catwoman. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> that puts a whole new light on it. And and that's really that's the moment you're looking for. Yeah. Um. You know, even if you read Wanted first, and I hope you don't. Um, <laughs> And then start reading, you know, mainstream DC stuff. And you're, you know, even if you're reading, you're flipping through Catwoman and you're like, you know, facepalm. Yeah. Holy crap. cow. The fox was supposed to be Catwoman. You know, that, you know, that, right. that, that in and of itself is a, is a cool feeling for a reader and probably for a writer to, to realize that that's going to happen. Yeah. My issue with it is that it's being done a lot. It's being done a lot right now. I, I think, and do you think that is because of? What Miller did, I mean, who, which came first, Wanted or uh, The Boys? You know what came first? What? Watchmen. Okay, yeah. you're right. You're right. I mean, it's a twenty. It's a twenty-year-old syndrome where we are. We are so uh, comic. The comic fans are so incestuous mm-hmm. and so inbred to the point where Wait almost. A Almost every universe has that Superman. I thought I married my sister. Absolutely, but they have that Superman analog. They have that character who is 
kind of Superman. And, you know, it always ties together with, uh, like, the Homelander and the boys. Mm-hmm. Kind of Superman landed in the plains. Like Apollo and the Midnighter. Kind of Superman, kind of Batman. Except they're gay for each other. It's like, something like Hyperion. From yeah. Hyperion. Supreme. Yep. Hyperion, to some degree, Hyperion is the first time it happened. It was uh, when they did that crossover. Oh, we we need to do that, by the way. We need to do Supreme Power if we're going to keep doing these. Because, man, keep I doing think... These. I, 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 just talking about the, the analogs, because Supreme Power is actually supposed to be a direct analog to the Justice League. Okay. All, have you read that, Matthew? I, no, I haven't read it. I have. All I ask is that at the as the old guy, if we're going to do Supreme Power, we have to do Mark Gruenwald Squandered Supreme. Uh, limited series. Sure. Didn't you talk Which about came- that one before? I've- yeah. Squadron Supreme? Squadron Supreme, the 12-issue series that... Well, uh, uh, the whole thing started in 73 when uh, I think it was Len Wein and, um, and uh, so Roy Supreme Thomas. Power and Squadron Supreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Roy and Len were writing Justice League and Avengers, and they thought, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we did the same story from both sides? Where Roy wrote a story in Avengers where they met the Squadron Supreme, who was eventually the Justice League. Oh, okay. And then Len wrote a story in JLA where they met the Avenger analogs, who were the heroes of Angor, who I really only remember from early issues of Justice League International. Hmm. But they did this story, and it was okay, but Marvel kept going back to the well on the Squadron Supreme and eventually turned it into a full-fledged JLA analog and used it to tell, you know, an early version of the kind of morality plays that we're seeing now where ultimate power leads people to take over the whole world for the better of everybody and then all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the authority draws from that same well. I mean, tons and tons of comics are drawing from what Gruenwald did, including Supreme Power, including the Ultimates. Yeah. And so, I mean... I mean and I think I think that's that's really become a real subgenre right now. Is that kind of what would have? It's the quote unquote realistic look at superheroes, right? And here's the Ultimates, uh, a realistic look at the the Avengers. What if the Avengers were in the real world? Which if of course, you mean, if you mean realistic to me, not at all realistic. Well, and sure. Um, it's, it's sort of and and that's that's actually part of the you know trope. Of the whole thing is, uh-huh. um, we are so intelligent. Um, I have a fifth <laughs> intel- level intellect to your one. Is that you know the you got a um, and I just thought that Brainiac just stole my train of thought. <laughs> um, Excellent. Is Brainiac that, got a twelfth level mind, by the way. <laughs> you got um, it, it, it's kind First of episode. socially what would happen realistically socially if right. superheroes were around right so in um in the ultimates they're a government agency mm-hmm. in the boys they're just absolute asses right and you cannot contain them you need an actual hit squad right to keep them in check right um in supreme power they're actually is no way to contain them. And everybody's just like basically slowly realizing that the end of the world is basically coming here. Okay. Because there's no way to keep these guys in check. All right. Well, we'll I'll put that on the list sometime and see what I can do about getting my hands on some trades. That would be uh, cool. I'm teaching this class comics to film. And last year it was really great because I had uh, probably 60-40 mix of guys to girls. Okay. Mm-hmm. 60% guys, 40% girls. And probably a 50-50 mix of people who have 
read comic books and those who had not read comic books. So, you know, the people that were into comic books, they could help participate and, and move the conversation along. And the rest of them were set back and they really enjoyed it and they learned some things and, and they were like, okay, maybe I'm going to go pick up Ultimate Spider-Man or I'm going to go pick mm-hmm. up this title. This semester, it is literally 80% female to 20% male. Can I, can I, uh, you can convince audit, it. Can I audit it? Fridays at 1030. Nice. Um, and I can do that now. Sadly, none of them, no one in the class reads comic books mm. and there seems to be an, eh, yeah, I've seen this, this movie or I've seen that movie, but they don't really have a big background in pop culture or the stuff that, oh, that you sucks. really need to talk about for this class. So I've been debating to help them understand what we're talking about. We're obviously using the McLeod book to talk about comics and get mm-hmm. them introduced into McLeod. this concept. Chief. Clan uh, <laughs> McLeod. Uh, yeah. The, so I'm, I'm pondering uh, bringing in, just going out and buying a trade for each of them, all of the same trade, and then having them watch the movie that it's based on. Yeah. Uh, and then having a discussion. The question is, what would be the best trade to get them to compare it to a movie? Because Watchmen isn't out yet. If it was that, I'd say, read Watchmen, we're watching the Watchmen movie. And next year, if there's enough students in the class, that's what we're going to do. That's going to be the main focus, is let's compare and contrast those two and how it was made. You can't take Spider-Man, you can't take Batman, you can't take Superman, because where do you go for the source material? You can't just say... Well, here's 50 years of comics. Go and read these 50 years of comics by next week and be prepared to talk this. Well, you could do more succinct stuff. I mean, it's it's kind of fringe. But, eh. but um, <laughs> Road to Perdition, True. From Hell. True. I mean, those are self-contained trades that were, you know, turned into movies. And there's... there's Ghost World. Movies. Ghost World. True. Uh, but I, I have to, I guess, check and see... Um, how accessible both the films are and the trades. My thought was, what about 300? Do you think that would be too offensive? Do you think that would be too offensive? Just, well, I mean, are you, you're in the class right now, like, right? Right, 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 right. right. I mean, I definitely took classes in college where, like, they would just put you, put it up front. It's like, we're going to be seeing some movies with nudity, some movies with violence. You just got to roll with the punches or not take the class. Okay. Um, So I think if you tell them up front, um, and it's probably a little harder now that the class has actually started. Sure, sure. But, I mean, 300's a little gory, and there's that naked chick underwater, but I, right. I, I don't recall anything being, like, so... Like, act, there's a difference between, like, you know, Silence of the Lambs, creepy, right. Right. slightly off-camera gore, right. and, you know, just totally over-the-top Kill Bill, Fountains of Blood. And right. the Fountains of Blood are less impactful than, you know, sure. the tasteful gore that's actually right, right, scary. Right. So. The other option that I was thinking was Wanted. And I think that mm. would put too many people off. Yeah, I, I agree. Wouldn't, I wouldn't. But I wouldn't. The language and the wanted. tone of Wanted really is not. It's, and again, think of who my... Yeah. Audience is no. 80% female. Yeah, so 19 to 24 year old women, too. I mean. So would 300 still work then? 300 is very fascistic. I'm not sure if you'd be able to get past, especially with people of that age and that kind of idealistic, dichotomous viewpoint to where you could get past it to look at it as a piece of art. Well, or and, to and look we're not at looking it as, at it as, you know, a crate. We're not looking at it from the standpoint of. 
this is art, this is a very fascist you know society why? that they lived in and everything like that. We're looking at it from, here's the comic, here's how Hollywood adapted it into the movie, mm-hmm. what worked, what didn't work, that kind of stuff. I, I mean, if you're going to go... Sorry, go ahead, Matthew. If you're going to go that route, I think Sin City might be a better candidate. I, but see, I that's got say, almost... I mean, that's panel for panel. But that's almost got... Again, goes back to there's a lot of sex and violence in Sin City that may turn off the female audience. But 300, it's more of graphic violence because they're fighting. Not, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to cut this man's head off and rip his testicles out, and right, there right. you go. There's and, oh, that. by the way, there's that chick that's dancing, and look at how hard her nipples stand out in a silhouette. Mm-hmm. you got to say, I don't like either of them, you know, as works. So and they're in- and interestingly, you, they're both by Frank Miller. Well, what about... Uh, is um. Is Iron Man out on video? Not yet. Mm. And it won't be... It's more of a... But see, again, Iron Man, when we did our Iron Man podcast... Right. You and I had to go through at least three different... Iterations. Iterations of Iron Man to really kind of encompass what was being told in that first arc. And we didn't even get to the uh, Obadiah Stane stuff. Yeah. And so that would totally... We just looked at the origin and the origin. And the Obadiah Stane storyline played out over like 30 issues. And that's the problem. What mm-hmm. I want is something that's self-contained, and, and I might look at Ghost World or From Hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing with From Hell was a lot of drug use, but I don't think that's going to be nah, super offensive. Don't worry about that. Um, so From Hell might be a, a good one. Is that Who is that by? Is that are also you, Frank Miller? That's uh, Alan Moore. Alan Moore, okay. If you're looking, I mean, are you looking to see something to see how they did it and how it changed? Uh, either how it changed or how it stayed the same. League of because Extraordinary the- Gentlemen is a good example of how Hollywood takes something oh. and makes it completely unrecognizable. Oh, my heart. Oh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Because, I mean, that first Why? League trade is very, very detailed, very, oh, you so know, story oriented and, and the movie's very so bad. dark and Would it- kind of mysterious. And then they turned it into this big action movie and added a couple of characters that didn't that's, need to be that's there. A, and then, that's and then pretty... Mr. Hyde is cheering on Dr. Jekyll. We can do it together. <laughs> that actually would be a good example of how they don't yeah. match. And maybe 300 I would agree. be a good example of how they do mm-hmm. line up. Was there a big I difference? Would... Go ahead. Uh, a big difference between the story yeah, the story the and the film? And the movie. Yeah. In League? 300. Oh, I don't know. I've never read 300. Okay, I'm pretty sure they're... I'm pretty sure they're... It's Zack Snyder, so I'm sure that there's... He's being true to the original source. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get past issue two of 300. I was just so overwhelmed by the 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 testosterone the fascism the dun da da we're going to beat shit up. So what would you what would you what would you recommend? Because the thing is, we're talking about how do you make this adaptation? And so things that do occur is okay, stars. And this thing that we talked about in the last class was why do you end up with um you know Jack Nicholson as the Joker and then how do why do you end up with Heath Ledger as the Joker? Or, you know, how it's it's essentially who's the flavor of the moment, the soup du jour, the actor Absolutely. du jour that ends up the, in this. The but then how does, la creme. how does story change? How does, you know, costume change? How does this all impact the end product? Mm-hmm. And so you I would take... really like to show them here's something that's true to the source material and then mm-hmm. also show them something that's not true to the source material. And in my opinion, Wanted is not true to the source material. Right. 300 is probably more true, and I'm sure Wanted is going to, or uh, 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 Watchmen is going to be a dead-on 
well, adaptation. Mean, you you might just have to chew it up for them to get some, like get like an issue of Sin City and then show a segment of Sin City and say, here it is, panel one. Here's um, what's his name with the uh, Converse sneakers floating down in the tar right, pit. Right. There's the panel. There's the thing. This is exactly how it is. Right. And then you know, show them a thing from uh, X Men where. You know, you look at Storm and she looks nothing like the Storm from the comic books because right. the costumes are different because Halle Berry is just kind of not that imposing. Right. But she's Halle Berry. So yeah, she had to be she in the movie. Is. She certainly is. I think I might try League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, that's that would be a good one because it's League, a little League intense, of... but... It's, it's not as offensive. Do you think... Do you think and, and this is just a comment on college students in general, not my class. Do you think mm-hmm. the literary references are going to be lost on them? If they don't know who Alan Quartermain is, it's I, not going to matter. When I when I read it, I didn't know who Alan Quartermain was. Okay, so, right. and I think and that I still that's got. That I, I figured here's Doctor Jekyll, here's the Invisible Man. Alan Quartermain must be a guy from you know turn of the you know Victorian literature kind of okay. stuff. Okay, all right, all right. I mean, it's, I got the Mina Harker reference, which is nice. But that's only because you read Dracula, right? Yeah, yeah. It's too bad that you're not like trying to teach them. Well, I am trying to teach oh. them. You could tell them about these things as you go through. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I understand it's, that. But, you know, what I want to do is say, okay, here is – because we go through a, a – there's a section where I talk about how do you, how do you create a, a well-developed character. And one of the best ways to do it is by telling the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And so I use Green Lantern, uh, the, the Legion, the um, um, Emerald Dawn mm-hmm. uh, trade, to kind of compare and contrast who is this Green Lantern and how does he follow – the hero's journey is outlined by what's his name. And right. and a lot of people who are not the last time I taught it, everyone who was not a comic book reader, that was their favorite lecture because they're like, wow, I didn't know that these characters could be this complex mm-hmm. and what the issues are that they're facing. And, you yeah. know, surprisingly, uh, an 80% girl class, none of them have ever watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wow. Or I would have said, look, watch Buffy. Now read season eight. And tell me, you know, how well does it does it follow the the storyline? Buffy's been off the air for like eight years. True, true, Dad. But you know, you would think that they would be in that middle school age where that yeah. appeals to the Buffy. I, I was, I was, I was in middle school when Buffy started. Oh, out. so they may be too young for Buffy. Yeah. God dang it! God dang it! I feel old. You oh, are old, happens. son of a. You know, JLU. I mean, there might be specific arcs that you can. I, I, I've and mentioned I that too, but I don't want to have to go through. You know. 50 years worth of comics and say, okay, this issue, this issue, and this issue, this Uh issue make up this story arc. Right. Is God Loves Man Kills, the X-Men graphic novel, still in print? I don't know. Because that was basically the guts of X-Men 2. Okay. uh, Where Reverend Stryker shows up and... But, you know, I think that they would be so lost if you just plop them right into the middle of, like, the first time I read the Dark Phoenix saga, I was like, what in the hell is this Hellfire Club? Yeah, and well, I was like, God loves, totally. God and why are they all wearing the standalone novel? Though. But why are they all wearing Victorian era clothing? This does not make any <laughs> sense to me whatsoever. And so but when I it finally got it. up, when it finally got up to that reveal of of with Jean Grey and the and the and the Dark Phoenix, I was like, what? Okay, well, it doesn't. And so I, it took me a long thing, time. Though, and I'm like, afraid if I gave it to somebody who's never read a comic book and said, read this, they're going to go. There's no way that I ever want to read another comic book ever again. I, my first encounter with the Dark Phoenix saga was 
in the X-Men cartoon, and they did not exp- explain any part of the Hellfire Club. And right. I was like, okay, this is how these guys dress. Corsets and uh, ascots. Right. Right. I, I just think dropping him into something that heavy, that's steeped in that much history, is going to throw people off. I think uh, you're you're talking to people who are not familiar with the And they're really the probably industry. not film goers. That's and, that right there is a problem, but you can't underestimate them too much. Right. I think if you give them something and then just sit there and just kind of watch them read it and they're like, uh, why is like what what the hell's adamantium? And it's like, right. oh, okay, well, adamant is a super strong, super flexible metal that right. they've uh, infused into his bones. He's a mutant, so he can take it. Keep reading. Right. You know, I, I mean, as long as you're there to walk them through it, they should be okay. Yeah, but I don't have to sit there and explain. You know, I want them to – first of all, part of the hero's journey is discovery. Mm-hmm. And so I want them to discover and then reflect themselves and then watch the film and reflect again and based on their own opinion, not my bias going mm-hmm. into it, going, yeah, this works or this doesn't work or this sucks or this doesn't suck kind of kind of thing. Because if I go in and I start talking about uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I'm going to go, here's a terrible, crappy – this is a terrible movie to begin with, number one. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Mm-hmm. They're going to go into reading the book going, oh, well, this is going to be a terrible story, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. Or they're going to go in with the bias of, well, the instructor said that this was a terrible movie, so therefore I must think that this is a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Instead of going in with this fresh blank slate of going, there might be people that watch the movie and go, I love this movie. Oh, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. I want to see more of this. Mm-hmm. And then read the comic book and go, this is crap. I don't want to read this. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the struggle. And had it been, you know, a 50-50, had even four people out of the class read comic books, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with saying, okay, here's what we're going to talk about today, because at least I know half the class is getting it, and yeah. the other half would say, uh, what was he talking about? Right. You know, uh, well, as opposed how- to everybody just going, so do you guys remember this summer when you saw The Dark Knight, and only one person was like, I saw The Dark Knight this summer? Uh, that's rough. Yeah. How tight of an adaptation, you, you well... I'm a big fan of the super tight adaptation. You know me. Seed of Destruction. I, that's another one that is I thought a close of too. Adaptation. That's one. How close is? I mean, it's not technically an adaptation of it, but how close is the first arc of Ultimate Spider-Man to Spider-Man One? Not. Not at all. No. Oh, no. that's true. Yeah, that no. will. So I mean, that's just a question that I'm at. I'm at right now as, as an instructor is kind of struggling what? with. What's this Did thing you... that I can kind of make accessible to them very easily? What about 30 Days of Night? Did you see that thing? Yeah, that may be the violence factor because, you know, some of these, you know, girls I've asked, just kind of roundabout ways I've asked these kind of questions, I mean, and they kind of get turned off. I can see their faces go, eh, this is kind of weird Hmm. if I'm talking about, like, this too much violence and too much sex. And and that's the other question is I don't want to make them – I don't want to end up like the high school and middle school teachers that say, oh, here's a – here, read this comic, and it's got, you know, Picasso's wiener on there, and suddenly some parent is offended or the student is offended, and now the instructor's out of a job or there's a lot of controversy. Yeah. Well, then you want to stay the hell away from Sin City and – Well, that's that's what I'm saying. That's why I was – you know, what is that – how far do you think I can push it? And I might just have to go up to the students and say, okay, look, who's offended by boobies? Who's offended by graphic violence? Who's afraid of seeing, you know, guts on the screen? You fail. Yeah. Get out of my and class. Then, and then from there, maybe judge. And yeah. I'm I, I'm thinking maybe League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, if the trades aren't that expensive, I might just buy them all myself and say, you know, yeah. check them out to the student and they check them back in and then say, okay, based on this now, 
here's what I would recommend you write your final papers on. Wanted, 300, Sin City, uh, you know, uh, Road to Perdition, From Hell, etc. The Crow. Is that a pretty faithful or not a faithful? The Crow is not. And how many issues, are they going to be able to find these trades? That's the other thing. The The Crow trade is three issues long. There are some narrative differences, but the overall plot remains pretty much the same. Okay. Um, young man and his fiance are murdered. He comes back from the dead to avenge himself on those people. The movie is a lot... The, the comic book was a very personal story, so the movie has a lot of uh, sanitization of some of the things that were kind of you know artistic quirks or little poetic things or you know mm-hmm. that he has a, a huge love apparently of joy division and the cure and all those emo <laughs> bands or those proto emo bands 10, ten bucks on that, amazon for league of extraordinary gentlemen that may be the one there you go and uh do what recall about that mina harker almost gets raped within the first 10 pages but is it you know it's off panel. Like basically, they knock if her it's down. Off panel, I'm and not then, worried about. I, it. I mean, and Alan Quartermain saves her, but I mean, she if, doesn't if, actually get raped. If it's off but. panel, I'm not worried about it. But you okay. know, if I, first I was like, wanted probably would be a good example of how not to do it. But then I like, okay, fuck shit, goddamn boobies, tits. fuck tard, yeah, fuck tard, shit wit, fuck wit, all yeah, that. Fuck I'm like, wit, that's the no, one. that's gonna be too much. That's probably gonna get me in trouble. So, um, have you ever read Men in Black? I don't know. Again, how accessible is the uh, the original source material. That's I'm the other sure thing. Floating around. Uh, Men in Black might be a good let's one. Let's see. I haven't read it, but I, you know, I hear it's, it wasn't too similar. But everybody has seen Men in. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think these kids. These would be kids would it. not if they haven't seen uh, Buffy. They haven't seen Men in Black. Mm, it's on TBS all the time. It's well, true. I mean, true. That that's true. I don't see it listed on Amazon. What about V for Vendetta? That one's maybe too deep, but but that's certainly one that I I have a list. I have a reading list for them that says, as you write your final paper, here's the selection of movies that you might want to consider. And there was a student last year that had seen the V for Vendetta movie and read the book and then wrote her paper based on that. Right. So, all right, gentlemen, at least I think I've narrowed it down to one that I think I would feel comfortable just saying here. Barbed Wire. We forgot Barb Wire. You know what's cool about Barb Wire? <laughs> tank Girl. I don't know about Tank Girl. But you know what's <laughs> you know what's cool about Barb Wire what's is it? I love the I love the series when it was out. You know, I read the the individual issues. I thought it was a fun series and in fact I like that whole creating this whole universe one week at a time kind right. of thing. What, what that was Dark Horse, right? Yeah, Dark Horse Heroes. I, I love the uh, the ghost. Uh, ghost was my favorite character out of all that. But well, I, I, she was the girl with the biggest boobies. Of course, she well, was of course, favorite. she was drawn by drawn by Adam Hughes, and she had a crossover with Batgirl. So, of course, why wouldn't I like that? Uh, mm. But um, what was funny about Barbed Wire is I read it and I liked it, and I understand what was going on with, in Arcadia and everything. And then the movie was uh, came out. I didn't see it. I knew it had Pam Anderson in it, and then it came out on DVD or something. I was like, you know what? I think. I wonder if Pamela Anderson gets naked. I, I think I'll go rent this movie. <laughs> and so I'm renting it. I'm watching it. And I'm hearing some lines that are very familiar. And then when the kind of setup is revealed, oh, we have to get this person out of here to save whatever. I'm like, holy shit. This is Casablanca. And nice. it is an alm- it is a plot point for plot point. In some cases, line for line remake. Of Casablanca, nice, but set only in this with modern future with great world with snoobs. Yes, 
And that is that is some classy, classy <laughs> smut right there. And it's there's no nudity in, in it. Nice. You know, it's just Pamela Anderson in tight leather riding around on a motorcycle and blowing things up and it's like Are you sure? Because that first that first five minutes where she's dancing is I know, no, there but that yeah, that there's some of that that's different. But I mean, even to the very closing moment of the film where she's walking with whoever she's walking with and says, I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship or a beautiful relationship, I'm like, whoa. whoa. And then you realize this person she's trying to get out of the country she's had a previous relationship with, and they're trying to get it, get him out to for the resistance or whatever. And it's like this is Casablanca. <laughs> That's crazy. It's she like she owns a bar. Nice. She's the dancer in the bar. She's not the piano player in the bar, but right. she's the dancer in the bar. It's just really weird. See, it's it's and I mean this one was much much more obvious. But I remember watching like Jury Duty with Pauly Shore and realizing that it was Twelve Angry Men. <laughs> I was like, wow. Or um, the past. Which is the yeah, most yeah. dangerous game? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there was this movie that was it was a Disney. Uh, it was one of these uh, HBO family things. Mm. Uh, but it's got this really popular girl that's, I guess, a good teenage kind of girl. And I've seen a couple of the films that she's been in, and it's kind of the same kind of the same kind of character over and over again. But it was called uh, what was her name? Sam, her Samantha, Samantha White. And the something or others. Mm -hmm. And so I'm watching this film and I'm enjoying it. And then it's like, wait a minute. Holy crap. They're telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs all over again. Nice. And yes, in this case, the magic mirror on the wall is essentially a Facebook. And the fairest in the land keeps getting ranked higher and higher. And she keeps getting moving up and up. And the Wicked Queen, uh, in fact, I think her initials are um, W... uh, W-Q. WC or WQ or something like that, and it's just and and the uh, the guy she falls in love with his last name is Charming, even nice. though they don't you know refer to his last name as Char- Charming, and then she gets booted out of the sorority house and has to go live at the nerd mansion, oh, right? Right, right? And there's seven of them, and you can go through. Okay, that one's Doc, that one's Sleepy, <laughs> that one's Dopey, that one's this, 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 and this, and all of a sudden it's like. Ah, duh. And when she goes to uh, um, her father, played by uh, not Tom Wopat, but the uh, other guy from Dukes of Hazzard, um, John, uh, John Schneider. Schneider is her father, and his uh, he's a contract plumber, and his company is Royal Plumbing. You know, nice. her father was the king. Uh, as she goes to college, he gives her an Apple laptop, Notebook. and the thing is... Uh, you know, this girl's so popular, and the, the Wicked Queen's all upset, so what does she do? She sends a virus to her uh, Apple laptop, her mm-hmm. Mac laptop, as a poisoned apple so she can't complete her, her project on time. Oh, and I it get was, it. It's, it's a it was just, and, uh, and then as I realized it, I started pointing out to my wife, like, okay, there's that point, there's that point, there's that point. And suddenly you realize you can tell stories and adapt them in a way for modern audiences. And you look at stuff like... Um, uh, the 10 Things I Hate About You, mm-hmm. you know, The Taming of the Shrew. Right. And there's so many different versions of Shakespeare's tales yeah. that have been told for modern you audiences. Know, the, you know, The Lion King's essentially Hamlet. Right. Uh, you know, that's a, that's another perfect example. That Which it's is really why fun. it's cool that The Lion King one and a half is essentially Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Really? Is <laughs> yeah, it? it kind of is. Really? Because it's all about yeah. Timon and Pumbaa and what they're doing during the, like. Oh, during, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. The behind the, right, scenes. Yeah, behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
it's it's funny when you can see that, and it's it's even more satisfying when you see other people make that realization. And that's what I want these students to mm-hmm. to look at is look at something like this and go, hey, wait a minute, this is the story of blank. And now suddenly, in the case of Ten Things I Hate About You with what's her name, uh, what's her name, uh, Lee Cook, um, Rachel uh, Lee Cook. Rachel Lee no, Cook. That, that, that's um. No, Ten Things I Hate About You is Julia Stiles. Which is the one with Rachel Cook where she's the – oh, that's Pygmalion. Where she's the, oh, the where king, she's the, the girl. She's all that. Yeah, she's yeah. all that. that. That's, that's the one. That's Pygmalion, what right? What a great movie. And, and so you get them to watch these things like Ten Things I Hate About You or She's All That. And it's sad that four grown – three grown, grown guys know these uh, girl films. Hey, I have oh, an Rachel excuse. I was actually young when those came out. Rachel Lee Cook is woohoo. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats. It's the only reason yeah, why I watched man. that movie, and that in uh, Rosario Dawson. There's, but anyway, there is no reason not to watch Jody and the Pussycats. Seriously, but you say okay. I mean, today, Carson Daly's hot. Today we're going to <laughs> learn about William Shakespeare, and all of a sudden the class rolls their eyes and groans. And then you pop in Ten Things I Hate About You, and they're like, "What is this? Yeah. This is you know I've seen this movie before. Or I grew up with this movie, or I like this movie." And then boom, all of a sudden you explain to them here, read Taming of the Shrew. Oh, oh! Suddenly, I love Shakespeare. What more can I read? Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be stuffy that way. And I think that's what, in some movie adaptations, that's that's what they go for. Oh yeah. Stop talking about comic books, or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.